0: Welcome to Weight Loss And, where we delve into the world of weight loss. I'm Jim Hill.
1: And I'm Holly Wyatt. We're both dedicated to helping you lose weight, keep it off, and living your best life while you're doing it.
0: Indeed. We now realize successful weight loss combines the science and art of medicine, knowing what to do and why you will do it.
1: Yes, the AND allows us to talk about all the other stuff that makes your journey so much bigger, better, and exciting.
0: Ready for the end factor? Let's dive in. Here we go. Welcome to Weight Loss And. Holly, I am really excited about today's episode.
1: Oh, I am too. There is so many questions out there circulating about these new weight loss medications. You can't go anywhere. You can't, social media, commercials, there's a song about them. So many questions out there. They're everywhere.
0: There's lots of excitement, but there's also some confusion and maybe some misconception. So I think what we want to do about today is to talk about what we know and maybe what we don't know about the new medications.
1: And I think that's key. You know, we do know a lot, but there's so much. They're new. There is a lot that we don't know about them, and I think that's an important piece to cover today, too.
0: Well, as you know, we always like to start our episodes with why why are people going to care about this?
1: Yeah. Why do you care about it, Jim? Why are we doing this episode? Why do we think this is so important?
0: I think these new medications represent a major leap forward in weight management. Let me preface that by saying they're not the magic bullet. They're not the end-all be-all. But for the first time, we have tools that help many people achieve or nearly achieve their weight loss goals. That's why I'm excited. We have powerful new tools. I think we don't quite yet know exactly how to use those tools. I think this is an exciting time for our field. We've been spending years trying to help people lose weight. We have a great new tool in helping us do that.
1: Yeah, I agree. We've been talking for years about how this obesity epidemic is just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And we really haven't had enough tools, right? We need more tools. And finally, we have a medication that I think can produce weight loss in the amounts that's going to move the needle. Like you said, that can maybe even, we'll see, reverse this epidemic. Could we, you know, could this possibly help us not continue to grow in terms of more and more people, you know, either in that overweight or obese category. So I think that's the exciting piece. This really may be something that's going to reverse that epidemic. That's why I think I like to talk about them. And I think from an individual's point of view, this may be a tool that can really help people who have struggled for a very long time.
0: But Holly, there are some things we don't know. There are some potential watchouts and there's limitations in what we know over the long term. So we're going to talk about that too.
1: Uh, Always. You know, with any medication, with anything that has a big impact on physiology and appetite and blood glucose, there's always some risks. And I think absolutely we need to talk about that. We need to be informed of both what the the good side is and what, you know, potentially you need to watch for. That might not be something that you want to experience. All right. Should we jump in?
0: Let's jump in.
1: All right. So I think the first thing is what are these new drugs? There's all these names. I get, I even get confused. There's what with the multiple names. What are the the drugs that we're talking about?
0: Okay. Let's go through. And number one, I want a job as naming these drugs because whoever names these drugs, I don't know. I I don't know where you come up with these names, but let's simplify it. We're going to talk about two major classes of drugs. Okay. The first class we're going to talk about the drugs name is semaglutide. Now, you aren't going to see that in the prescriptions. That's a drug made by the company Novo Nordisk, and there are two forms of semaglutide. One is called ozempic, and you would get a prescription for ozempic if you had type 2 diabetes, for example. The same drug is marketed under a different name, wagovi and wegovy is prescribed for weight loss okay two different names the same drug now semaglutide works by increasing the level of a substance produced in your gi system in your gut it's called glp1 okay this goes to the brain and somehow in the brain this results in you being less hungry and eating less. Okay. We don't know exactly how it works. There are a lot of researchers working on that, but it's basically something produced in the GI system that works in the brain. And at the end of the day, you lose, you eat less and you lose weight. Okay. That's semaglutide. Now the other class is tirzepatide. Boy, these names. Tirzepatide. Is made by Eli Lilly Company. And again, there are two forms of Tazepatide. If you're getting a prescription for type 2 diabetes, you would see this as Munjaro, Okay. If you're getting a prescription for weight loss, it's Zepbound. Catchy, catchy names, Holly. So again, same medication, two different brands, one for type 2 diabetes one for weight loss. Now the type 2 diabetes drug produces weight loss too, but they're prescribed by different things. Now the difference between semaglutide and tirzepatide is that both of them increase GLP-1, but terzepatide also creates a second substance, gastric inhibitory polypeptide. So two substances, again, that somehow go to your brain, cause you to eat less and lose weight. So you're going to see the four brands prescribed for type 2 diabetes. You're going to see Munjaro and Ozempic. For weight loss, you're going to see Wagovi and Zepbound. Is that perfectly clear?
1: Oh yeah, really clear. And, and I think we're just starting. That's combination. So you see this drug now, which has GLP-1 and GIP, which are two gut hormones produced in the gut that we think have impact in the brain, but not really sure. I will tell you that, but we know that the outcome is to, you know, have increased satiety, not eat as much food, but you're going to start seeing combinations. So there's going to be all different kinds of names that come out, but I do think it's interesting. You have this, um, generic name. We call it the generic name, which is the semaglutide or um, terzepatide. And then you have the consumer-friendly name that they've Come up with marketing like the Ozempic or the, you know, Zepbound,
0: which oh my goodness! And what does Zip Bound even mean?
1: I don't know, but it kind of sounds like a zip, zip in your step. I think it. I well, think these should
0: the these are the marketing people that make a lot of money at the companies that come up with the name. So I'm sure there's a good reason.
1: Oh, and whoever did the oh 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 Ozempic, you know that was. I mean, everybody sings that song now, so they'll, they'll remember that. So they are. It's marketing trying to get you to remember. What does it make you feel? Right. That's what marketing does. But then as physicians, we tend to just think about, we like to think about just the generic name, the semaglutide or the terzepatide. That's how we speak to each other. But then we have this whole marketing push. That's how the consumer sees it. So it is really confusing. It's all the same drugs, but multiple names.
0: So Holly, why are these drugs different than many, many other drugs that were developed for weight loss or type 2 diabetes?
1: Yeah, we have some other drugs that are out there for for weight loss, but these drugs have produced a greater amount of weight loss. You know, we were in ah. the range of five to seven percent, not r- maybe ten percent, but these drugs kind of hit a whole new level of weight loss, which really I think made them take off. So you know, it's what people want and how much weight they want to lose is starting. These are more effective, definitely.
0: You and I have never been able to get people very excited about losing 5% of their weight, have we?
1: No, no. When we know medically, that's good. 5% is... Yeah, but it's a hard
0: sell when someone wants to lose lots more. No. These, you know, we've talked about it before. For many people, not everybody, for many people, these drugs can help you get near your gold weight. They can help you lose an amount of weight that really, really is satisfying for you.
1: Yeah, and I think when people are saying how much, I mean, I think we're talking around 15%. You know, it's always an average. Some people losing less and some people can use more, but around 15%, that is huge. So someone weighs 200 pounds, let's say, uh, 15% would be a 30 pound weight loss.
0: Well, we know that improves health in a major way. But not everybody wants to lose weight primarily just because of health. You
1: know what, Jim? That wouldn't be. I, I did my math wrong. Oh my goodness! I'm so used to a 200 would be a 30 pound. Is a that what I pound. said? A, a 30 pound. said that.
0: Oh, okay, it said that 30 pounds. So 30 pounds really, we know it improves your metabolic health, but also makes you look a lot better.
1: Well, and that's that's important to some people and, and that's
0: okay. You know, I argue about that. The only reason to lose weight is not to just improve metabolic health. Obviously, that's a good reason. I think it's perfectly fine for people to want to lose weight to look better and feel better. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, no one that you're right, right? You get to you get to choose why you want to lose weight. Now, we know there is a benefit to weight loss especially when you lose weight from a you know, from excess body weight. But I think the reasons are, you know, we, we don't have, we, it didn't have to all be about your health, definitely.
0: So who are these drugs for? Or maybe a better way is to say, who are they not for?
1: Well, these drugs are prescribed for people who have a body mass index that's over 30. And this is a way that we kind of gauge weight and height And it allows us to say, who do we think would have a benefit
0: from this medication? And if you want to get your body mass index, just Google body mass index and you can, it asks you for your height and weight and it'll calculate it for you.
1: Yeah, which is a whole nother story we got to talk about. Is that the best way to do it? But that's how we do it. So if you have a body mass index greater than 30 then you might be appropriate to consider these medications or a body mass index of 27 and have what we call a comorbidity. So you have type two diabetes or you have high blood pressure or high um, cholesterol levels or something like that, cardiovascular disease. Then even at a lower body mass index, you can consider using these drugs. That's what who they're indicated for. That's what the FDA has approved them for, for people with body mass indexes in that range. So who are they not for your body mass index is 25. Technically, you are not supposed to be using these medications. When we talk to the, you know, the FDA,
0: unless you're uh, unless you live in Hollywood, right? Unless and you live okay. in Hollywood
1: or a lot of places, it seems to be that people are using these even when they don't necessarily have that body mass index that's in that elevated,
0: overweight or obese. And the reason is that, right, all these medications have potential downsides, and you really don't want to use them in people that don't really need to use them.
1: Agree. We don't know for sure. We're always trying to balance the risk and the benefit, you know, and we know that when you have a body mass index that's 30, that there is a risk for having that body mass index or having that much body fat, we're willing to take a little bit of a risk on a drug. There's always some risk. So we're already at a risk because you have an elevated body fat. We're willing to take a risk on a drug. BMI of 25, ah, eh, you're not at that much risk.
0: So what are the it. risks? What, what sorts of things might, uh, what are the side effects? What are the potential negatives taking these medications?
1: So these medications, we've done some clinical trials. And so, you know, have, have seen these, the majority of the side effects are gastrointestinal, meaning GI. So there's nausea and vomiting and diarrhea. You titrate them up slowly so you can tolerate them. But there are some people who can't tolerate them at all. And when they're on them, that continues and it just isn't a good drug for them. So GI effects, as you might expect, May get better over time, um, but that can be definitely a risk. That's something that you you want to think about. Um, low blood sugar. If you're on a medication, another diabetes medication, when you combine it with this, you can have low low blood sugar. That's a potential risk. There are some kidney and gallbladder problems and pancreatitis. But all these drugs were pretty well accepted. Pretty well you didn't have a ton of side effects really.
0: And in, in my experience, if you can get 30 pounds of weight loss, you can work through some some GI side effects, right?
1: You can. Although I will say there are some people who, even if you really titrate it up, go slowly, do all the things we know that would help with this, they still have nausea and vomiting. If you have continued nausea and vomiting, this is not going to be a good drug for you, right? That's different.
0: so. So which emphasizes you really need to work with your physician uh, to get these drugs, these are prescription drugs, right?
1: They're prescription, um, they're injectable. You need to titrate them. There are potential side effects. You definitely need to work with a healthcare provider uh, to be able to get the maximum results and to do it the safest way possible, for sure.
0: You know, and and uh, you know me, I'm on social media all day long and I see all these ads, works like Ozempic or works like Manjaro. Should people be leery of those things?
1: Yeah, I would. I think that anytime you're taking a, a medication that has this much potential to help you, there's also that risk factor, and you want to make sure you're getting the right thing and that uh, the test, you're being monitored. You really need to be monitored on these drugs. So I would stay away from that. I would get the real deal. I would definitely talk to my healthcare professional about this. So, Jim, the other question is, though, that I get is, okay, I want to be, I want to take this medication. How long do I have to take it?
0: Ah, now there is a really interesting question. So one model that a lot of people espouse is, well, it's like blood pressure medications. You take it the rest of your life. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I understand that and I understand it's a chronic condition and it makes perfect sense to me. And when I treat somebody with type 2 diabetes, I don't expect them. I put them on medication. They're on medication for the rest of their life unless something changes drastically Um, same thing with blood pressure. It's a chronic disease. You wouldn't expect it to work if you stop taking the medication. So I get it, but I don't think that's the way most people are thinking about this. They're thinking about, let me take the drug, let me lose the weight, and then I'm going to stop the drug.
0: Well, what happens when you do that? We have some information about that from the clinical trials of people that stop, right? Yeah.
1: So if we look at the data, when you stop the medication, as you might expect, the weight you regain the weight, the weight comes back. Um, so that's something to think about when you start this. I think a lot of people think I'll just get the weight off. But the data would show if you're gonna just be on the medication short term when you stop it, you are at high risk of regaining that weight. And that's not fun. You know, that is not not a place that I want. I like my paper to be.
0: So one model then is you take it forever for the rest of your life and you keep the weight off. We actually don't even know if that's true because we don't have long-term data, but at least one hypothesis is as long as you take the drug, you're going to keep the weight off. Are there alternatives? Are there different ways of thinking about losing weight with the drug, but not taking it forever?
1: No, I think you can think about it, but we don't have data at this point to support it. But- I would like to think about it. If you take the drug, get the weight off and have really made some lifestyle changes, you've increased that physical activity, especially you have really worked on some dietary changes that you can um, continue. But the way the medication's working is it helps with satiety. It decreases um, gastric emptying, slows the food. It's It's, you know, changing how you're thinking about food. It stops that food noise that so many people are talking about. They don't think about food anymore.
0: I like that term, food noise. That's actually pretty cool.
1: I totally know what they're talking about. When you take that medication away, that's coming back. That's been gone.
0: But we get, as you know, we're getting more and more people coming to us saying, I took the drugs, I lost weight, I love it, but I want to get off the drugs, but I don't want to gain the weight back. What do we have for those people right now?
1: Once again, it's lifestyle change, it's behavioral change and can you know can you make those changes when you come back?
0: Diet and exercise, how boring, right? But that, that's what works. Well, that's the hope. You and I have talked about this is, you know, part of uh, the problem, we've always been really focused on weight loss maintenance, helping people lose weight over the long term. But what we found is if people don't reach their weight loss goals, it's hard for them to think of anything other than losing more weight. Do you think that having drugs that help people achieve an amount of weight that's satisfying might? help them focus a little bit more on the behaviors and the weight loss maintenance?
1: That's one theory. And I guess we're going to see. And I think for some people that can be the case. So, you know, now I've got 30, 40... 50 pounds off, and now it doesn't hurt as bad to go out there and walk. It doesn't hurt as bad to go out there and move more. And so if that is a path that people take, then I think there could be some some room. So I think, yeah, it may help people be able to do that. But we really don't know that. That's not what the studies have shown. That's really not what we've studied
0: thus far. Well, keep in mind, these medications are fairly new, right? We're just beginning to study them. And we don't have a lot of people that have been on these medications very long, more than perhaps a couple of years. And we really need to know over the long term.
1: I think it's important to say that, you know, we don't know what being on this medication for five to 10 years is. It's any new medication, right? It's not just weight loss medications. So I think that is really important. And there's lots that we don't know. So what are some of the things we don't
0: know? I have a lot of questions I want you to answer. Here's one I'm very, very fascinated in, and I can't get the answer from the published data. When you lose weight, right? You lose fat, which you want to lose fat, but you also lose lean body mass, which includes muscle and other kinds of things. Do these medications affect that? Uh, Are you going to lose the same proportion of, Fat and fat free mass on these medications as you would say on a lifestyle program?
1: Yeah. And once again, I think that's a huge question. It's not just the quantity. We're focused on the quantity of weight loss, but what you're talking about is the quality of weight loss, meaning do I lose muscle or do I lose fat?
0: That's important. I don't want to lose muscle. I'm happy to lose fat.
1: Right. We all really want to lose fat, but we forget sometimes when we lose weight, it's not all fat. And like you said, when we lose weight in general, different proportions of that weight will be muscle and lean tissue, and some of it will be fat. And one of the questions that's coming up is because people are losing weight rapidly. It's not sure clear what they're eating. How much of the weight loss is coming from muscle and how much is coming from fat? We don't really know. And it probably is going to turn out that some individuals are losing a significant amount and some aren't. So we really need to, to be able to dive into that and figure that out because you're right. We don't want to lose muscle. That is not something we want to do. Holly, I
0: worry a lot about um, this uh, quality of weight loss in older patients. And I'm asking for a friend.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. We call that sarcopenia when, as you lose weight, especially as you get older, you tend to lose that lean muscle. And what does that mean? It means your metabolic rate goes down. And it also means functionally, you're not going to be able to do the things you want to do. You know, it's kind of funny. You're probably losing weight because you want to go out there and be more active and be able to hike and do, you know, do different things. And then if you lose muscle, you may not be able to do that. You really want to protect that muscle.
0: So it might be that in some people, quality of weight loss is perfectly fine but for others we might want to be careful
1: I think that's I think that's very likely we don't know but I think that's very likely like anything it's probably going to be individual and certain groups or certain people will experience uh, different different amounts of fat loss versus lean muscle loss
0: so what about the location of weight loss do we know anything about if you lose fat, where the fat comes from, you know, there's central fat, there's peripheral fat, there's upper body, lower body. You know,
1: we would love to lose it from the midsection and from a from a metabolic standpoint, from a from a health standpoint. We tend to think that the the fat that's in the middle part of your of your body where your waist is, like if you have a large waist circumference, you've got a lot of this visceral fat or internal fat, that's where we would really like it to come from from a health standpoint, but we can't pick it. And that's what with any type of weight loss people are like, "Oh, I want it to come off here." And I'm like, "I spot reduction not possible." And I think it's the same thing with this. It's coming off in multiple places. I know a lot of people have talked about they're losing weight and we've seen it in some of the pictures on social media in their face. So they're talking about the loss of facial fat and how that looks. Um but you can't choose. The the body decides where the fat is coming off.
0: Gosh, Holly, I have so many questions, but we don't have unlimited time. So let me ask a couple more. Does insurance cover these drugs? They're pretty expensive, as I understand.
1: Yeah, so some insurance does cover it. Some is not. It's changing. I think more and more insurances, I'm hoping, will cover it. I also want to just point out, though, sometimes I've seen insurance cover it for a short period and then suddenly they don't cover it. That. Can be a problem too because you do need to think about this as long term. So, insurance coverage—I uh, don't know what you're seeing, Jim, but I think we've got some of it, but not at, not everybody, and they are expensive.
0: Well, here's the issue: I read an article in—I don't know—Forbes or one of those places that predicted that in the U.S., a hundred million people could be on these medications. If I'm an insurance company, that makes me a little bit concerned.
1: Yeah, but these medications could do so much good. You know, we talked about the weight loss, but these medications have shown cardiovascular benefits too. We didn't even talk about that. They had to jump through the hoops with the FDA to show improvements in cardiovascular endpoints. So, you know, if we can see the benefit of these drugs, then maybe that 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 cost will be offset.
0: So that's probably what the insurers are looking at. On one hand, if you have 100 million people taking the drugs, you're going to have less cardiovascular disease, less diabetes, uh, many, many other conditions that are very expensive. And so perhaps the costs of the medications are well worth it down the road in terms of the savings of the, of the other health costs.
1: I think that's what they're thinking. I hope that's what they're thinking. I mean, I think there has to be some investment, but we hope there's a return on the investment in terms of better health and lower cost from that aspect.
0: So if you're on these drugs, Holly, what should you eat?
1: Well, that is another really good question. And what are people eating? You know, a lot of times uh, what you eat may affect whether you lose fat or you lose muscle. So I would say thinking about what you're going to combine, what you're going to choose to eat when you're on these medications could be really important in terms of that quality of weight loss um, that we're talking about. So right now, I think people eat whatever they feel like it. But if I would on these drugs, I would be really specific about what I'm eating. I would eat very nutrient dense to make sure I'm getting my vitamins. And I would make sure that I'm eating enough lean protein to try to really target the fat loss and really save my muscle. But I don't think we know that either. That's another thing that we don't know.
0: You know, I've read some stuff uh, about the fact that the food industry and the restaurant industry needs to be concerned about this because at the end of the day, again, if you have 100 million people eating less than they are today, that could change the whole face of our food industry.
1: Well, I think they'll adjust. I mean, I think that we obviously, we have this obesity epidemic. We all probably need to eat a little bit less food is probably going to be a positive, but you want to eat that kind of comes back to make sure what you are eating is nutrient dense. So maybe the food companies could help us out with that. You know, ah,
0: there you go. Maybe they could help identify what the optimum diet could be. Our restaurants could actually uh, focus on people on the medication. So there might be an opportunity rather than simply a challenge.
1: Yeah, I think when people have bariatric surgery, we're very specific about what they should eat after bariatric surgery, that they should eat lean protein first, etc. I think we need to get a little bit better and do this with the medications too. really have more guidelines on what people should be eating when they're on the medications. So I want to ask you a personal question, Jim, now.
0: Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh.
1: Time to get vulnerable. Would you take these medications if you had the body mass index? If you if you met the requirements, would you take them or would you have a, a family member take them? Or would you feel like that they're they're safe? And would you take them?
0: Absolutely. Without hesitation, I have recommended these for family members. I have recommended them for other people. We don't know everything, and there could be information tomorrow that changes my mind, but from everything we know. These drugs produce weight loss that improves metabolic health. They improve how you look. They are uh, relatively safe. We have no, we've looked at major problems. You can anticipate everything, but from everything we know, they're effective and they're safe. And yes, the answer is I would recommend them to family members. Yeah,
1: I would take them too. If I if my body mass index was in the range where it made sense and I was at risk for diabetes or I had diabetes and I absolutely would consider taking, I would do them the right way. I'd go to my healthcare provider. I would do it the right way. I'd get the biggest bang for my buck. I wouldn't just randomly do it. I would be very strategic how I did it, but I would definitely um, do it too if I had that body mass index.
0: All right, I'll ask you a question. Have you ever taken a weight loss medication?
1: Yeah, so I have in the past when I've had been at a higher body weight than I am now. It was back when finfin was was popular. I took it for a little while um, and it was amazing in in a sense. And it really gave me some insight about drugs because when I was on finfin, I did not think about food. And that was such an amazing time for me because I didn't realize how much I constantly thought about food. And this is that food noise that they're talking about. And so when I was on that drug, you know, I could have cookies in my in my cupboard, and they didn't call my name, or chips, and they didn't call my name. Before it was like I was always thinking about when am I going to eat? Oh, there's cookies in there. Are there chips in there? Oh my gosh! I got to eat! I got to eat! I got to eat! You know, I was constantly thinking about food and and cravings and wanting to eat. And suddenly, I took a weight loss medication, and boom, that went away. And it was an amazing feeling, and it gave me insight. It gave me insight to how we all feel differently about food and that you don't really know how someone else feels. And so if I'm telling someone, yeah, don't eat that. Eat a small portion. I don't know how they feel because I recognize, wow, there could be a difference. And for the people who don't struggle with their weight, I can say, you know what? I can imagine this is how they feel where they don't understand. Yeah, just leave that cookie alone. Just don't eat that cookie because they don't think about food like I do. So it was a... It was a very interesting for me and, and great insight at that point um, in my life. So it made me believe that there is a role for weight loss medications. Now, we've had weight loss medications that have had bad outcomes, that have had, you know, we've had to take them off the market and, and that's not been good. But in general, the idea that we need weight loss medications, it was from that experience that I really gained that insight.
0: I see these as a wonderful new tool. In fact, Holly, I think development of these medications is probably the most significant advancement in weight management that's happened during my career. Now, saying that, there's still a lot of questions I have. I want to know more. I want to know more about body composition and lifestyle and so forth. But as someone who's been a researcher in this area for many, many years, I think these things are wonderful new tools. We just have to figure out the optimum way to use these tools.
1: I agree. I, I totally agree with that. And I do think we need to, to figure out the optimal way to use them. So, if I was going to put some pie in the plate, kind of tie all this up, I would say ask your doctor, get help, go to your healthcare provider. If you're going to use these tools, if you're going to use these medications, Use it as a tool. Don't just use the medication. Make sure you are making changes to your diet, that you're trying to be more active. I would combine it with a very nutrient-dense, not necessarily energy-dense, but nutrient-dense diet with many, plenty of you know vitamins and minerals, good food, vegetables, and lean protein. Um, I would be as active as I could so I could try to Really target fat loss. Do everything I could to make sure that fat that I was losing, the weight that I was losing, was fat. And I even measure body composition just to make sure that a good chunk of what I'm losing isn't muscle, is actually fat.
0: How do you do that, Holly how How are our listeners going to measure their body composition?
1: Well, you know, it's a little bit easier than it used to be. There are devices out there that you can go to at many of the health clubs or some of the nutrition stores that have what we call BIA or bioelectrical impedance where you can get, and there's even scales you can buy. They're not perfect, but it can give you a little bit of an idea of what you're you're losing. So it's it's easier than it used to be um, to get that body composition measurement.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the be active and move. We're going to talk about this a lot. And as you know, this is is my thing, the importance of physical activity. And I I think we have always felt like being active is one of the keys to long-term weight loss maintenance. And even though you don't have to be active to lose weight, I think you do have to be active to keep it off. And so if you're on the medications it's okay to lose weight without exercising, but you may want to think about increasing your exercise. Hopefully if you lose weight, you're going to feel better. It's going to be easier to exercise. That's going to really help for long-term keeping the weight off.
1: Yeah. I would say if you want to stop the medication, if you're saying I'm going to get on the medication and I know I need to be on it long-term for it to continue to work. However, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stop the medication at some point. Then I would say, absolutely work on getting that activity up as high as you can. That's going to give you the best shot at being able to maintain the weight that you've lost. So I think that's a great a great tip to give someone who says, yeah, I'm not going to be on these medications forever. I'm going to stop them at some point.
0: So if you're overweight, give serious consideration to these medications. We give them thumbs up uh, from everything we know. We know they're effective. It looks like they're pretty safe. And I think they're a real viable option for people out there who are serious about long-term weight loss.
1: Yeah, I agree. They're a tool. Think of them as a tool, not for everybody, but for some individuals, definitely, I think, can make a big difference.
0: Wow. Well, this helped. I've I've, uh, worked through a lot of things. I still have a lot of questions, but that's what research is for, to answer those questions over time. And as we get more new information, we'll update it in future episodes. I agree. All right. Thanks. See you, everybody. See you next time. Bye. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Weight Loss And. We hope you enjoy diving into the world of weight loss with us.
1: If you want to stay connected and continue exploring the ands of weight loss, be sure to follow our podcast on your favorite platform.
0: We'd also love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, questions, our topic suggestions by reaching out at weightlosand.com. Your feedback helps us tailor future episodes to your needs.
1: And remember, the journey doesn't end here. Keep applying the knowledge and strategies you've learned and embrace the power of the and in your own weight loss journey.